It's the Bengals Nation podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Bengals Nation host, Jed Demusi with Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Bengals Nation podcast, Jed Demusi and Richard Skinner joining you. Skinny, week one in the books, uh, the spread was nine and a half points and it was a one-point game, a loss to Seattle. Uh, there's a lot of goodwill surrounding this team, but it was, at the end of the day, still a loss. How do you sort of assess kind of the week one feelings heading into week two for this team? I think you feel a lot better about this team. I think you saw enough to say, okay, this isn't going to be the 3-13 and disaster you might have thought it was going to be. Now, injuries could change all that. It always does in this league. I think it gave you, on both sides of the ball, something that you can think this team can hang their hat on, the five-man defensive front, the fact that they're willing, if a team's going to try to say, you're not going to run the ball on us, to go ahead and throw it 51 times. That's probably not the optimal number even in a game like that. But still, if you're going to give it that, give that to us, we're going to take it. We've got the weapons to, to beat that. So I thought that was the part. I think if you're a fan, there was a lot of newness, a lot of, all right, let's see what you got. And a lot of see what you got was pretty good. The only thing that wasn't good was was not coming out with the win. And, and we talked about it today. We're taping this right after Zach Taylor's press conference on Wednesday. The This team really, it wasn't like they sort of struggled to get to a one-point loss. They kind of had this game won, sure, right. and they had three red zone opportunities where they walked away with zero points. Well, we know what the errors were. We missed a field goal, and we had a turnover, and they stopped us on fourth and one. So we, we, we feel like those were... Uh, uh, self-inflicted uh, plays, to be exact, you know, and, you know, we had the holding call down there that set us back. But other than that, you know, there's some games where you go in there and you got 10 real red zone plays and you throw incomplete on seven of them and can't move the ball. And that wasn't really the case. It was certainly we were 0-3 in the red zone, but um, it was all things that we felt like we could have done a better job controlling. And Zach Taylor just mentioned the fact that it wasn't like a drive stalled or anything along those lines. They didn't get, they didn't get it on fourth down. There was a turnover and a missed field goal. Any one of those three convert into points, and the Bengals win the game. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you see the zero for three number, and in a vacuum, that's not acceptable. You cannot win games in this league going over three in the red zone. But you know, one of them was a fluky one where Andy had the ball slip out of his hands. Said after the game, he'd never had that happen to him before. You had another one where they are third and two, and he admitted, Zach admitted in the press conference, I should have taken a timeout. Normally, in a nine-yard completion in the first quarter, that's not where you want to spend that. But it got down to the two seconds on the clock, and. And uh, we got put in that spot. So, again, that, that's a mistake on my part, to be quite frank with you. And, and that's an area i got to improve on. It shouldn't have been an issue. You know, I, we, I should have been better there. And But you lesson learned, we're going to play in a lot of loud stadiums. That's going to happen again where, where we have a hard time communicating what we want. We, we've already put measures in place to make sure that that doesn't happen again and we can make the necessary improvements and we'll be better the next time we're in that environment. They take a delay. And, hey, look, third and two in the red zone turning to three at third and seven is not a good thing. You're in a condensed part of the field anyway. It, it changes your playbook. It changes the defense's playbook. So that was self-inflicted. And then you got a first and goal with the four, and you wind up having to uh, you, you wind up having a holding penalty on Andre Smith that took you off, off schedule. You only got a field goal out of that when a touchdown would have given you right. the lead at that point. So, yeah, all those things. But I think all, all of those are – are self-inflicted for the most part. Um, one's, one's a fluke and, and two are penalties that you could have, one was a penalty you could have avoided. Another one is you can't hold in that part of the field. You just can't do it. Whatever you got to do not to do it, you don't. So I think moving forward, those are things, it's not like you look up and go, hey, they stopped us. It's, we stopped ourselves. And I think that that's something you can fix. 
John Ross was really the breakout performer. I joked on Twitter on Sunday that you made sort of the offhand remark that I don't need John Ross to have 10 catches for 190 yards and three touchdowns. And he almost got yeah. to that exact number. Eight catches, I think, for 157 yards and two touchdowns. He had a drop, came back and scored right away. You couldn't have drawn it up any better for him coming back and making that impact that we've been waiting to see. Yeah, and I think it all starts with what we talked about last week. He, he earlier in the week, talked about how healthy he felt and that he felt really good. He felt like he had another gear. And I think for, for any athlete, any player, if you're not 100% both physically and mentally, and I think some of the mental part was I think that he just didn't feel wanted by that last staff and especially the head coach and some of it look some of the things that Marvin Lewis said about John Ross I think are true and 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 he didn't earn the trust of that coaching staff so with a fresh start both mentally and and now physically I think you saw the reason they drafted him in the first round look you're not getting that every week out of him because eventually defenses are going to say we'll scheme against it well guess what what when 18 comes back in a few weeks and 83 is in the lineup, and if 85 keeps making progress, Tyler Eifert. 15. 15, yeah. I mean, yeah, Damian Wilson, you've got a lot of weapons, yeah. and you have to pick your poison. So if it's a day where you decide, gosh, we can't let A.J. Green run by us, okay, well then you want to double John Ross and A.J. Green, that's fine. you got a guy who has a 1,000-yard receiver in, in Tyler Boyd. Good luck man covering him. So the, the positive is John's productivity and the fact that now defenses are going to sit up and take notice and go, all right, we've got to do something to keep that guy from going over the top. Confidence with this offense. There was a question asked of Zach Taylor in this press conference. It seems like these guys are having fun. When we talk to them in the locker room, they say that they're having fun with this offense, that A.J. Green, who spoke to the media for the first time in a few weeks, said just watching this offense looks like a lot of fun. And Zach mentioned they're having fun because they're confident. And that, that's, that's really what we're striving for. When, when you got guys that know what to do um, and can react to whatever defense somebody throws at us because we've repped these plays so many times and, and we, we feel like the coaches have done a good job explaining the intent, then it leads to fun because you're not thinking, you're just doing it. And so, you know, we've, we felt like our guys showed us that in the first game. we got to do more. We're going to have a lot more fun when we win, I can promise you that. They're repping it, they're doing it so often that when they get into the games, it's not a big surprise. Do you see that as well, sort of with the way they're playing offensively? Yeah, and I think you saw it at times in the, in the preseason, but you, you saw it throughout camp that these guys felt confident in what they're doing. And maybe some of that's the newness, right? That it's, it's fresh, so it, 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 it is more fun. It, it, I always equate this in baseball. You know, players say that they need a, a – a, a team says they need a player's manager, and the player's manager then gets run over by the players, so you need a, a hard ass. And a hard ass comes in, and now we need a player's manager. But the whole time is it's just the freshness and the newness always changes it up, and I think that's the case. And I think you saw it Sunday. Um, they looked confident in what they were doing. Um, you know, it, this wasn't – it's funny. This wasn't like Seattle, I think, played poorly, and this isn't – you know, the Bengals got a fluky thing here or there to stay in the game. I thought they played with a lot of confidence. I thought they played like a team saying, hey, we got some dudes here. We're going to put up yardage, and I don't care how you're going to try to stop us. We've got a countermeasure to it. Uh, so I, I thought that was a positive moving forward. But in the vacuum of the NFL, we always have the week one overreaction, good and bad. I just hope this isn't an overreaction to what we saw in week one. I don't think it is. Okay. Much was made of the Bengals' offensive line. How are they going to kind of piece it together and, and go into Seattle? Turns out Seattle had their own set of problems on the offensive line that the Bengals' defensive front took advantage of. Four sacks. Sam Hubbard had a really good day. Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick had a, had a sack on a, on a corner blitz. Loved their energy. Thought Coach Anaruma on his staff did an outstanding job preparing those guys. The players really bought in, you know, and, and they, they played with the energy that we need to have a great defense. 
And, of course, there's room for improvement, just like there is on special teams and offense. Uh, but I thought, I thought if we get a, a similar performance to that each week, then we're going to be in a position to win some games. We talked last week, Lou Anarumo, he's got to sort of take the same parts and put them together in a different way to get, a per, to get some productivity out of this defense that wasn't there a year ago. How do you assess what he did week one? I think it was outstanding. Um, I was looking forward to it after watching it in training camp. They didn't unveil it in any preseason games, but in camp, um, that five-man front was just wrecking people. And unfortunately, they were wrecking the Bengals' offensive line. So you want to see if they could do that against another one. I think it's playing to your strength. Look, they don't have quality linebackers, right? At least enough of them. Right. So, okay, you've got quality defensive linemen. Use them. And really, it is a five-man look because they are five linemen. But you can also, if you want to do it in the old school way, it's an old 3-4, right? It's to, you know, Hubbard standing up, Lawson standing up, Dunlap standing up, Lawson standing up. That's what they, the old 3-4 look like. So that's kind of what it is. You're just doing it with, with linemen. And you have linemen athletic enough to, to do those kind of things. Um, you know, if you look at what, what Seattle did, they were the number one rushing team in the NFL last year. Didn't run the ball hardly at all other than a big run late in the game to get a first down, but really right. consistently didn't run it. 70-some-odd uh, yards. I think out of the 232 yards, they had three three plays netted 107 yards. So roughly half their yardage came on three big plays. So for the most part, you shut them down. They punted on, what, eight of the 12 drives. They had 12 first downs. Looked up, they, haven't, they haven't given up you know that, that number since 2016. So this was a great start. And I think there's some more upside. I'm eliminate some of the big plays. A couple of them, I thought William Jackson was in position on one on D, DK Metcalf, and he just out-toughed him for the football. All right, go up and make that play next time. So I, I was really impressed with that. I was looking forward to seeing it. I, I was thinking, all right, if this works, all right, you're going to have something with this defense this year, and I think they did find something with that. Okay, we will be back at the end of the podcast with Skinny's prediction for Week 2, the home opener against the San Francisco 49ers. For now, let's dive deeper into Coach Taylor's Wednesday press conference, including how far back his familiarity with 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan reaches. Shoot, when he was the office coordinator at the Houston Texans, I used to watch every Texans game imaginable. I, I was a GA with Clint Kubiak, and his dad was coaching at the time. So, I mean, every Sunday, all we did was watch the Texans and then watch the tape. And so I feel like that's when I um, started to further invest in, in kind of the West Coast system of things and the way that – uh, Kubiak and Shanahan did him, and then I've always followed Kyle as he went to Washington and worked with Sean McVay for several years, and um, and then as he moved around. So there, there's certainly a lot of elements that are very similar, and then there's a lot of differences between the, the two styles and how they kind of branched off. A.J. Green may still be a few weeks away from getting back on the field, but Coach Taylor was happy that his all-pro wide receiver made the trip with the team to Seattle. I had no second thoughts about it. You know, you want to make sure with the doctors that, that – um, everything's good on that, but he's a guy that want, he wants to be engaged. He wants to play. He wants to be engaged. He wants to be around the team. The team likes him, you know. So he's, he he warms my heart when he's around because I remember that we have AJ Green, you know, hiding out in the background. And uh, so it's it's good to get guys like that. You know, he's a captain. You know, you just need a veteran presence and veteran leaders like that around, even if they're not playing. More on Green coming up in a bit. The way that Seahawks game ended with Andy Dalton fumbling on a play that clearly looked like an incomplete pass. Zach Taylor saying sometimes things just don't break your way. They review everything, and to be quite honest with you, they do communicate with us after the game, and, and I think that they prefer that we just keep that in-house. But, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes I know that during the course of the game, whatever the call is on the field becomes difficult to reverse if you don't have the proper camera angles. And a 1 o'clock game, whatever the term is, regional broadcast, you're not going to have as many cameras as opposed to a Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. 
And so there's going to be some plays that it's hard to overturn. Um, unfortunately for us, because we felt like if we could, you know, get another opportunity or two, we can try to put ourselves in a position to win the game. So that was a tough way to end it, but that's just the way it went. Finally, this will be the first home game of the season and Coach Zach Taylor's first home game as head coach of the Bengals. He knows it starts with the play on the field to get the faithful in the stands. We have to bring the energy and we have to get the fans fired up. It's not the, it's not the other way around. We got to put the seats in the stands. I mean, we got to put the people in the stands. <clears throat> and I feel like, um, unfortunately, we didn't win that game, but I like to think that the people that watched on TV and the people that came to the game to support us saw the type of team that they want to represent and be excited about. And so that's a step in the right direction. Let's get people at the game. Let's create that environment towards hostile at home for us, and we can continue to win games at home and make this a really difficult place to play. I was here in 2012 with the Dolphins. It was a hard place to play. Um, that was a, I think it was a 17-13 game, came down the wire, very hard to hear. That was my first impression of the city of Cincinnati. Like, wow, this is a, this is a really cool place. And, um, you know, it goes way back then. And so, so we got to get back to that spot. Let's give you more of a taste of what to expect on Bengals Nation coming up at 1130 on Local 12 Saturday night. Carlos Dunlap continuing in the trenches. This time in the locker room, tracking down A.J. Green, holding his first media availability in a few weeks. Big Red went out there with 418 yards without 18. How do you feel seeing that over there, you know, seeing the ball fly around in this new offense, waiting for your opportunity to get out there, me as me as well. Um, how did you feel seeing him slinging around like that? He probably could have had 500 plus. Yeah, it's great. It's great that I've seen this, and it's uh, just picking the defense apart, man. I just like, uh, you know, just especially for John and, and TB to, you know, be able to, you know, step up like that, man. I'm just excited to be a part. Of, of that. In my Keeping It 100 this week, I caught up with new Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. I thought the interview was going to go one way, and then I quickly had to change course. You are a Staten Island guy growing up. I would think that maybe in the 70s, probably a Billy Joel fan. Uh, it's funny. My wife will like this. Yeah, not, not a huge fan. Okay. Billy Joel. Uh, and I, I was still young in the 70s, so I was, like, uh, young. So I wasn't into uh, any of that just yet. The interview could have very easily derailed right there. I was planning on getting into some of the finer points of the Turnstiles album. We recovered, though, and talked about one of Anarumo's passions, pizza. Tune in on Saturday for that. All right, we're back with Richard Skinner, week two against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, before we get your prediction, I do want to talk about George Kittle. It seems to be the guy on everybody's mind. He set the receiving yard single-season record for tight ends last year. Think about all the tight ends that have played NFL football. Kittle has the record with over 1,300 yards, receiving a lot of those yards after catch. This guy is such a versatile player, and he's got to be the focus of this defense. Yeah, and, and let's not forget last year, tight ends seemed to kill the Bengals, and that was part of the linebacking core. Now, the other interesting twist for Lou Anaruma, we talked about him earlier in the podcast, was not only did he go with the five-man front, but you saw some nickel sets where it was three corners and three safeties, and one of the safeties is kind of acting as a pseudo-linebacker. So maybe you get a better matchup doing that now as opposed to putting a linebacker on George Kittle. I think that's probably what you're going to see a lot of is, is more of that three-safety, one-linebacker look, uh, maybe even just a four-down lineman look just because you got to do the math on it. Um, hopefully that's something that, that they can counteract it with because tight ends really gave the Bengals problems last season. And this is maybe him and, and Kelsey with, with the right. Chiefs, maybe one-two in terms of talent at the tight end position right now in the league. Okay, that being said, one o'clock kick. 
Bengals, 49ers at Paul Brown Stadium. What's your pick? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go Bengals. I, I, I know people are hyped with the 49ers, and I think they're better. Um, you know, you got Jimmy Garoppolo back, and that helps. But, I mean, they got two pick sixes, and that's more Jameis Winston being Jameis Winston giving you two gifts. And Richard Sherman's a good corner, but that's, that's two gifts, for goodness sakes. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo only threw for 188 yards. You mentioned George Kittle really is their lone weapon in the passing game. Uh, they didn't run it great. Uh, Tevin Coleman got dinged up a little bit, so not sure his status. Matt Breed is a good back, but they want to rotate some backs. And the Bengals did a great job stopping the Seattle rushing game, which led the league last year. I would right. think you can handle this rushing game. I think clean up some of those mistakes. I, I think the Bengals get a nice home opening win. I'll go. Uh, I'll go twenty six seventeen something along. Twenty six seventeen, not, not twenty seven seventeen or twenty four. Randy Bullock field goal. <laughs> They stole, out, they stole out the red zone again and get field goals. <laughs> Richard Skinner, thanks so much for joining us on this Bengals Nation podcast, week two, previewing the San Francisco 49ers.